Hi, my name is Kristen Donnelly, and I'm a cookbook author and copywriter who became an enthusiastic student of plants after co-writing a book about vegetables. I started this podcast so I could get down and dirty with other plant obsessives and bring you along for the ride. My guests and I talk gardening, herbalism, plant-based eating, ecological landscaping, and houseplant care. Essentially, all the ways plants can bring us happier, healthier lives. So grab a cup of tea or your watering can and get ready to dig in. This is the Plant Out Loud podcast. Hi, happy summer. Today is the 12th episode I've released of Plant Out Loud, and it's been an incredible experience. Right now, I do all of the guest finding, the recording, the editing, and the content production. It's been so much fun. I'm ending the season here in July so I can fully embrace the summer garden, my upcoming vacations, and time with my daughter, who is nine and still mostly likes me. But do not fear, I'll still be posting regularly on Instagram. In fact, I'll probably post more often and more videos because I won't have a podcast to produce. Please keep in touch with me on Instagram at plant.outloud. If you've enjoyed what you've heard so far on Plant Out Loud, I would be honored if you would leave a review. If you're on Apple Podcasts, go into the Plant Out Loud podcast and scroll to the bottom. You can choose how many stars to rate it, five stars is the best, or scroll a little further and you'll see write a review. Reviews help podcasts immensely with getting discovered. If you want to revisit anything from previous episodes, they will remain up so you can access them anytime. And I have extensive summaries with all of the takeaways over at plantoutloud.com. For the season finale of Plant Out Loud, I wanted to talk about abundance. In the garden, we're getting to the season of abundance when, if we're lucky, all of our plants will start producing plenty of fruit. And by fruit, I often mean vegetables like cucumbers, tomatoes, squash, eggplants, and even beans. Fruits are botanically the part of the plants that contain the seeds. And in a little bit, I'll talk about how to use some of that abundance. But I also briefly want to talk spiritually about abundance. So the kale, dandelion greens, and Swiss chard I planted in the spring have been wildly successful. After a slow start in April, they took off in May and keep producing with no signs of stopping. In the past, I've had skimpier spring harvests, and I find myself feeling afraid to overharvest what's in the garden. It's almost like I'm afraid it's all going to go away. The problem with holding back is that sometimes the older leaves wither and die before I get to them, so my fear is leading to waste. It's reminding me of how sometimes people get a nice bottle of wine for their birthday and wait so long to drink it that it turns into vinegar. Now that I've realized this problem, I'm very consciously trying to harvest more often and trying to relish in the abundance while I have it. My fear that it's all going to go away is not unfounded. Of course it will go away, because nothing is permanent. But I also know how I can produce this kind of garden abundance again, and that feels really good. Before I talk about preserving veggies coming out of the garden, I just wanted to share some other practical lessons I've learned recently. The first is to use compost and don't be afraid of fertilizer. I know everybody says this, but my garden is looking so much better this year because I laid down compost in the spring and do occasionally feed my plants with organic fertilizers. I think I often deep down thought fertilizers were a waste of money, but nope. Because I garden in containers, the plants really benefit from this extra food. If you're gardening in the ground, you probably don't need to fertilize as often, as long as you're using compost. 
I've been using the Neptune seaweed fertilizer and I'm just starting to use the Espoma tomato fertilizer now that my tomatoes are about to fruit. Second lesson is that under the right conditions, plants catch up. So this year, I planted one amazingly healthy-looking seedling from Roots to River Farm in mid-May. Then I planted out my own scrawny tomato seedlings at the end of May. When we had a few colder days and downpours, I kept those scrawny seedlings covered, but otherwise they've been fully out in the elements. For a couple of weeks, the littler tomatoes seemed to struggle. Then when I returned from five days of being away in late June, I could no longer tell the difference between the plant from the farm and my seedlings, and many of them are flowering. I still don't know how these plants will produce, but I'm amazed that having smaller seedlings and giving a larger seedling two full weeks of a head start seemed to matter not one bit. Third, next year I'm going to skip planting carrots in the spring. Here's why. Because of the conditions I have, which includes quite a bit of shade, my carrots grow pretty slowly. So the carrots I plant in April aren't actually ready to be pulled until July or August when it's boiling hot. Hot weather doesn't make for the best tasting carrots. My neighbor, meanwhile, said she planted her carrots last year in August and kept them in the ground all winter, just covering them during the coldest season. She said she was harvesting some of the best carrots she's ever tasted in March. Speaking of carrots, this brings me to using some of the abundance in the garden. And first, I want to talk about the roots themselves. Root vegetables are made for storage, with some lasting a few weeks and some under the right conditions for several months after you harvest them. But sometimes, if we don't store them properly, they can get a little limp or spongy. This doesn't mean that they're destined for the compost. One quick tip I learned from Chef Jamie Simpson at the Culinary Vegetable Institute in Ohio is that you can refresh root vegetables by giving them an ice water bath. For this trick to work fast, you'll need to slice them first, but if you have time, you can try it with whole veggies. The cold tightens up their cell structures so they become crisp again, while the water helps replace any moisture lost. If you grow root vegetables, you know you have a lot of leafy tops. The leaves are what harness the sun's energy to feed the plant. In a lot of root crops we enjoy, carrots, beets, turnips, radishes, the plant stores the food in its fleshy roots to help feed the plant when it's time to produce seed. We often harvest before that seed-producing stage, so we get to eat the root when it's at its tastiest and full of sweetness, and if we're lucky, we also get the fresh, vibrant leaves. A lot of leaves are easy to use. For example, turnip greens are good sautéed in olive oil, maybe with a little garlic, and they have a mustardy flavor. Yes, it can be polarizing, but I happen to love it. Beet tops are essentially Swiss chard without thick ribs. It's true. They're the same species of plant as beets, but one variety is programmed to grow the roots, while the other is programmed to grow those gorgeous leaves. You can treat beet tops like spinach, another relative. Carrot tops, I find, are challenging to use. They have a strong parsley-like flavor, but a rough texture. To eat them, you need to rough them up a bit or cook them, and I, I don't even try with the stems. They are too stringy. I've made chimichurri with carrot tops before. I've also frozen them to add to stocks. I've tried pestos, but haven't always loved the flavor. I do like cooking them in vegetable soups, and they can add nice color if you add them right at the end if you're cooking a broccoli soup and pureeing it all together. But I'm always on the lookout for new genius uses of carrot tops, because too many of mine go straight to the compost. Let's also talk about using all that abundance in the herb garden. Every year, one herb or another finds its perfect spot and gets a little out of control. This year for me, it's marjoram. Marjoram is related to oregano, but more gentle tasting and floral. 
I'm trying to incorporate it where I can. It's an unexpected addition to simple vegetable sautés. I'll probably also try it in a pesto, perhaps with some basil or parsley or maybe some of that kale that's overflowing in my garden too. I'll probably make that pesto with almonds or pistachios instead of traditional pine nuts. You can freeze pestos for several months or refrigerate them for up to a week. Some people like to freeze pesto in ice cube trays, then put the cubes in freezer bags so you can just melt a cube to toss with pasta or some such in the depths of winter. I've never been organized enough to do this, but I do think it's a cool trick. My sage is also going crazy, and one of my favorite things to do with sage leaves is to fry them. Sometime in the fall, or if there's a cool evening, I'll probably pull a bunch of them and fry them in a quarter inch of hot oil just until crisp. It only takes, I don't know, 10 to 20 seconds, and sprinkle them with salt and then serve them with some pasta or potatoes or beans. Speaking of beans, I like to add large sprigs of thyme, marjoram, or winter or summer savory to pots of dried beans because it makes them more flavorful. I also feel like it makes them more digestible. Maybe it's in my head, but I swear it works. If you like to make cocktails or your own sodas, you can make syrups with your herbs. Just bring equal parts water and sugar to a boil, stirring to dissolve the sugar. Then remove from the heat and add a bunch of herbs and steep for an hour or two or until it's flavored to your liking. Strain it and then store it in the fridge for several weeks. You can add that syrup to club soda or of course use it with desserts or mix it into cocktails. Salt, being a natural preservative, is also good to use with herbs. In a food processor, you can grind together some coarse salt with hearty herbs like thyme, rosemary, maybe a little bit of lavender, and spread them out in a dish to dry for a few hours before putting it in a bottle. If you make a large batch, you can save these for holiday gifts. For a recipe, I'll link to one in the show notes. Herbal vinegars are also a bit of a revelation. Earlier this spring, I covered my chive blooms with apple cider vinegar and let them infuse in the fridge for a few weeks. It made the prettiest pink vinegar with a delicate onion punch. I then had a lot of time on my hands, so I poured that same vinegar over a jar of thyme. And by thyme, I mean the herb. But it does sound fun to pour some vinegar over your thyme, doesn't it? I'm from Philadelphia where people love to eat hoagies, those meat-stuffed sandwiches. They're often seasoned with some kind of vinegar. And wow, this vinegar tastes like a really good version of hoagie sauce. I love putting it on everything. And finally, if it's the end of the season or if you just have so much abundance that you need to trim back your plants, you can dry your herbs. Before the first frost, harvest your frost-sensitive herbs. If you have a dehydrator, dry them in there, of course, but I don't. Instead, I usually just put them on a rack over some parchment paper, then store them in paper bags to dry out more, and then eventually I move them to airtight containers. Drying herbs works best when there's not much humidity, which can be really hard to come by on the East Coast. I do have air conditioning in my home, and this seems to work well enough. My favorite herbs to dry are lemon verbena, rosemary, catnip, and peppermint. I feel like they dry easily and retain their flavors well. And finally, we have our fruits, like tomatoes. Yes, of course you can make tomato sauce, and some people have wonderful traditions in which they do this as a family each year. Even lazier is to simply freeze your tomatoes whole. Yep, you can take your tomatoes, put them on a baking sheet, and freeze them. Then store them in a plastic bag. You can break them out for when you're ready to make sauce or use them in stews all winter. If I have too many cherry tomatoes, which, let's be honest, is there such a thing? But if I do, I like to slow roast them with olive oil and herbs. By slow, I mean real slow. Like 250 degrees Fahrenheit, 275, for 2-3 to hours. You can do this faster, but they don't dry the same way. Plus, by going low, you don't have to heat up your kitchen as much. 
The tomatoes will keep in the fridge for a week or 10 days, but honestly, they're so good that way that you'll probably eat them within a few days. For the past couple of years, I've had some of my cucumber plants go bananas and give me two or three cucumbers a day. You can pickle your cucumbers, of course, but I actually took to using them in drinks. Sometimes I'd blend them with a little sugar and lime juice for an agua fresca. Other times with yogurt, ginger, and lemon for a savory and really refreshing smoothie. When I'm stumped on how to preserve anything, I start by going to my friend Marisa McClellan's site, foodinjars.com, or one of her books. Marisa writes all about making jams, pickles, and other preserves, and then tells you how to use them in your cooking. I also like checking out what Danny Childs is doing on his Instagram feed, at Slow Drinks. He turns so many ingredients into something he can use at the bar. For example, he just messaged me the other day about turning cherry pits into a liqueur. How cool. If you want to get more advanced and explore the world of preserving through fermentation, I highly recommend The Noma Guide to Fermentation by David Zilber and Renee Redzepi. This book was way less intimidating than I thought it would be and really breaks down the science in a way that's easy to digest. If you have some favorite ways to preserve the season's bounty, I'd love to hear. You can message me at plant.outloud on Instagram. While I'm on a podcasting break, I hope you'll keep in touch and continue to share your plant successes and questions with me. And if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on Plant Out Loud, please message me on Instagram at plant.outloud. Let's keep growing, friends. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love to hear from you. Leave a review or send me a DM with your plant questions on Instagram at plant.outloud. Even better, tell a friend about this episode. Let's keep growing, friends.